Hi everybody, Eric from Hit Subscribe here, and um, today I come to you having gotten a haircut since last week, so that's better. I've also got my Chicago Bears shirt on to celebrate the signing of Andy Dalton, I guess, so that happened. Um, but anyway, we're rolling right along in this series that I'm doing for those of you that are interested in business ownership, moonlighting, freelancing, uh, etc. And today's topic is how do you go about finding uh, new clients when you're a new freelancer. Um, so I'm going to walk through a series of things that I would do um, roughly in the order, I guess, of maybe obviousness or uh, what the timeline is for it to pay off, because there are some things that you can do that will pay off immediately. And then there are other things like what Hit Subscribe does, which is content marketing, uh, that take a long time to pay off. So I'm going to walk through a whole series of things that you can do and the typical like arrows in your quiver for finding clients when you're going into business for yourself. Um, so the first thing I'd recommend for those of you watching that um, have or have had nine to five jobs, the uh, absolute easiest thing in a lot of cases that you can do is to flip your current employer to being your first client as a freelancer. I've seen this called boomeranging. Um, so basically you're working for Acme Inc. as a salaried employee. You go in and you say, hey, I quit. I'm going to pursue my job of freelancing and being a business owner, but I will keep doing stuff for you on a contract basis. Um, this is often relatively well received by employers because then they don't have to scramble to backfill you. So um, you can do that. It tends to pay off a lot. I have done this before um, in my career. Uh, when you do that, uh, this is maybe a topic for another day, but I'll briefly say, um, don't just charge them whatever your hourly rate uh, at your salary would have equated out to. I've given this advice in other videos um, that I'll link to when we post this on YouTube, um, but <clears throat> divide your annual salary by uh, a thousand and that should ballpark-ish your hourly rate. So like if you had been working for your uh, former employee, it's a $110,000 a year. Um, then your hourly rate there is going to be roughly $110 an hour. They may balk at that, try to negotiate you down. That's fair. Let them negotiate you down a little bit because they're going to be giving you a lot of business. Um, so anyway, uh, rules of thumb. Uh, but in addition to your current employer, you can also reach out to other past employers with whom you're on good terms. A lot of them will be receptive to longer range contracting. I think I have done that at one time or another with like two or three different former employers. Like, gone back and wound up doing some contract work for them. Um, so your absolute first line of finding um, potential clients is to go back to um, your either current uh, or past employers. And they have a long history of doing business with you. Presumably they like you. I mean, I would, if you got fired or something, it's probably not there. But um, anybody that likes you has a long history of doing business with you. Absolutely a, a great potential client. Um, Next step from there, I would suggest is doing some friends, family, and colleagues outreach. So building on this theme of like, who have you worked with in the past that likes doing business with you? Um, if you have coworkers from former employers, things of this nature, um, I would definitely recommend going and reaching out to them um, if they're in a situation where they can get you a meeting or something like that. So 
um, friends, family, and colleagues, the biggest one would be the colleagues, the people who could maybe get you a warm introduction to do some work for their employer. Um, if they're a former boss and they you know, have the authority to bring you in as a freelancer, that's another great thing. So colleagues, most important, but friends and family uh, don't sleep on that because those people want to help you. So you reach out to them, you try to create a fairly succinct explanation of what it is you're doing so that they know how to help you. Um, and then reach out to them and tell them like, hey, I'm going into business for myself and I'm gonna write software. Or, going into business for myself and I'm going to be a content creator, whatever the case may be. So reach out to those friends, family, and especially colleagues and let them know what you're doing and you'll get a lot of leads out of that. Um, this is a source of leads that will run dry. Like once you do it, um, you, you know, in the beginning, there's kind of this honeymoon period to freelancing because everybody wants to help you. You're like brand new, it's an underdog feel good story. Like, yeah, you know, let's do this. Uh, if you keep asking them for help, they will get tired of you because that's annoying. So you can kind of go to this well once. Um, I would maybe segment that list of people and reach out to them over the course of a few months instead of blasting it out to everybody at once. Only because if you reached out to, you know, 500 people, and 20 of them brought you hot prospects, you're not going to be able to service all that business at once. Um, so segment them and kind of reach out to them in rolling fashion. And that in the first six months to a year of your practice can be a great source of leads. Now we're getting into things that are um, a little less blue chip, but might be a little more sustainable over the long haul. This first one uh, might earn me some controversial or um, people might have contrarian takes to this um, or my take might be contrarian here. But let's talk about Upwork, Fiverr, Top to whatever, like these labor brokerages. Uh, a lot of people will create a bunch of content about like how to earn a great freelance career on Fiverr or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying that in terms of being in business for yourself over the long haul, a labor brokerage as your source of business is a grind and it's a commodity situation. Um, so I'm giving you this advice cautiously. If you want to go put yourself on Upwork, create a profile, don't view this as a way to bring your business leads over the course of years. Uh, view it as a temporary crutch to help you get going and meet some initial clients. Definitely have an exit strategy. And without going too far into the weeds on this, the reason I say this is because if you go and you're on Upwork or, or one of these types of sites, what you're really doing is simulating employment and like rapid fire um, job interview processes. So like, let's say for instance, that in running hit subscribe, I wanted to go find um, software engineers uh, to write blog posts. I would go to Upwork and I would look for, you know, I'd put out a proposal or whatever and like a hundred software engineers would reply. And then I'd sift through those to find, you know, people to do this work. And that sounds an awful lot like being a salaried employee, not like being a business owner. And the problem with that is it commodifies your labor, meaning as the prospective um, hirer of you as a freelancer, I'm looking at you and I can't tell you apart from 500 other people. So mainly I'm just going to like try to hire the cheapest one, I guess. Commodified means that you're sort of interchangeable with other people and it's not a great market position. So positioning is certainly an advanced topic for another day, but understand that it will be a grind. And uh, if you take away one piece of advice from this segment, don't get good at Upwork. It's just what you want to do is you want to make some relationships on there um, as an initial way to seed your book of business to get some uh, clients that you're working with. And then you want to figure out other strategies for bringing in business. You don't want to keep applying for these things as if you were an employee. Um, so 
let's uh, go into ways that maybe you could control your own business pipeline instead of um, depending on some robotic site to bring it to you. Uh, there's outreach. You could do warm outreach, um, which is where you're reaching out to people you know, um, like uh, the friends, family, and colleagues. Hey, I'm in business for myself is actually a form of warm outreach, but um, I'll categorize warm outreach as when you've done that initial kind of honeymoon round of contacts. Warm outreach is when you identify somebody who you know that could maybe get you um, a sales conversation with somebody that you want to pitch to. Uh, versus cold outreach is I'd like to go do work for this company and I don't know anybody there. Both of these are sort of um, high volume, low payoff type plays. Warm outreach is way better than cold outreach. If you get into the business of doing cold outreach, you know, figure that you're going to email a thousand people for every piece of business you get. It's a numbers game. That's why you get so much spam is because the spammers understand that it's a numbers game and they play it. Um, not a huge fan of this way of generating business, but uh, it is an option. It's something that you can do. And there are people that have luck with it, either doing it themselves or hiring a low-cost firm to just carpet bomb the world with outreach. Um, so moving on to something that's, uh, I would say, better, you can also do what's called prospecting. And prospecting is neither sales nor marketing. It exists in the weird world between those things. And prospecting is basically... Um, if you know who's going to be consuming your services, so going back to freelance software engineering, the person that's going to hire you to do that is probably like a director of software engineering or a VP of software engineering. Find out where those folks congregate. You know, do they go to trade shows, conferences? Uh, are they in LinkedIn communities and groups? Where do those people hang out? Go there and hang out with them. So you're kind of identifying the people that you want to have relationships with. But this is not outreach and you're not pitching them. You're trying to subtly get in front of them, have conversations with them, help them if you can. And I don't mean through business, you know, if they're asking for some advice, um, just do what you can to be helpful to get to know them. This is a long-ish play. You're going to join these communities, you're going to participate, and you're not going to pitch people because that's a bad look. That's how you get kicked out of the community. And even if you don't, uh, you just come across as spammy. So um, what you want to do is build relationships in these communities. Now, one thing that I'll say, again, a topic for another day, generalizing versus niching. Um, it's hard to figure out who your buyers are when you're a generalist because generalists kind of adopt the attitude of, I do anything for anyone as long as you pay me. So when we talk about who are your buyers, if it's anyone, what's a community where anyone hangs out? Like, you know, I don't know. Um, but if you zero in and you say, I help uh, trade associations with anywhere from 20 to 50 employees with something, that's a very specific kind of client. And so you can start to figure out where employees of that specific kind of client hang out. So when you niche and you focus in on who you're going to target um, with your freelance practice, it gets a lot easier to do this prospecting and to figure out where to go and what relationships to build. Um, the last way to drum up business is by far the longest play, and this is with marketing or content marketing. So again, this is hard to do if you're a generalist, because if your business is, I do anything for anyone, that's hard to market. Marketing is basically making people aware of what you do, and I do anything for anyone is sort of um, such a weak positioning statement, nobody will remember it. It just, you know, in one ear and out the other. Um, so marketing goes best when it's very clear who you help. Like with hit subscribe, we work with, um, companies that make tools for software engineers. 
typically in Silicon Valley, um, venture-backed companies, that's pretty specific. So when we think about marketing and making those companies aware of what we do, well, we might join a group like um, uh, Crunchbase. We might talk to startup incubators. Um, we go to the kind of places those buyers hang out, create content, help them, et cetera. That's the essence of marketing. So you need somebody in mind that you're trying to make aware of what you do. And then you come up with a game plan to make them aware of it. Uh, one of my personal favorite ways to do that, obviously owning a content marketing business is through content. So if you're helping that trade association or something, you could start to write all kinds of content aimed at helping trade associations. Um, you know, here's how to hire if you're a trade association, here's how to do whatever. Um, you would want to keep it relevant to the service you're providing. So software engineering, you know, here's what trade associations should bear in mind when hiring a software engineer. So you start creating content like that. Um, maybe you give talks, uh, make guest appearances, go on webinars. But basically what you're starting to do is build kind of a presence and profile for yourself to get in front of these people. Now, if we look at the last three ways of drumming up business that I've talked about, you've got outreach, which is you bombarding people with a message. You've got prospecting, which is still you going to people, um, but you're helping them, so it's a little less aggressive. Marketing uh, done right is when they come to you. So they hear about you and they reach out through your website or they send you an email. Um, that is the best way to bring in business. And uh, there's a variety of reasons that's true, but the two that I'll mention that are probably the most critical is number one, um, once you have that marketing presence, it doesn't require any effort on your part. Cold outreach, you've got to sit there all day emailing people. When people come to you, no, nothing needs to happen to get a sales call. They just show up, you know, they send you an email or whatever and ask if they can have a conversation with you. So it's very low effort once you've put in the effort required to build the marketing apparatus. The other thing is from a negotiating perspective, I can't tell you how much more powerful it is when people are coming to you for help than when you're going to them and saying, hey, will you give me some business? When you go and you do cold outreach um, or you go through a labor brokerage, the people that are doing that hiring are basically taking the attitude that, hey, um, it's you versus 10 other people just like you and whichever one of you jumps through the most hoops will have the pleasure of serving, you know, my organization. And so the relationship will look like that. They'll make a lot of demands. It'll be high maintenance. Yet the complete opposite end of the spectrum is marketing. If you're fielding five, six, seven sales calls a week, you're being very picky about who you work with. Now the shoe is on the other foot where we're on sales calls. You're honestly saying to people, I don't have the bandwidth to work with everybody. So, you know, convince me that this is a good fit. So, um, I've covered six things there, uh, looking back at my notes, um, start with your employers trying to flip them, um, then go to friends, family, and especially colleagues um, in a form of initial outreach, but it's kind of not like outreach just because um, everybody's rooting for you in that, you know, you're the underdog story. So do that initial round of outreach, very, or um, uh, letting people know what you do, that's very important. It might well carry you through the first six months of your practice. Then you can think about the labor brokerages, but if you're gonna be on Upwork, um, make that temporary. View that as a place to get your initial leads and then have a plan beyond that that isn't just Upwork forever. Um, then you've got, uh, once you're kind of out of the kiddie pool and into the deep end where you're not, where, where you're owning your whole like sales and marketing cycle, you've got in uh, ascending order of goodness, outreach, uh, then prospecting, and then finally marketing, content marketing um, as a way to generate business. Uh, so hopefully that is helpful. Um, if you are watching or did watch this Facebook Live and you have questions you want to ask, 
um, hit me with those in the comments. Otherwise, if you're seeing this cross-posted to YouTube, you can also uh, put that into the comments just on YouTube. We'll see them either way. It's all good. Um, and yeah, this is fun. Uh, happy to keep answering questions. I have a decent backlog, but uh, weigh in and um, I will catch you next time. I'll be here again next week.